Good morning, historians. Welcome back to the Histocast, the old history project. I'm kidding. Uh, here, where we talk about nothing but history, the whole history, and nothing but the history. So, I've got some news uh, to tell you guys. You know, I like to explain happenings with the channel and the project here on the podcast. So, I'm now officially a board member at Hayslope. Uh, I only figured it necessary since I'm basically there every time that the owner is trying to help her out. Uh, is it? I believe it is now officially a not-for-profit, and you know the 501c3. And now, um, because we're so close to getting, sorry, turn my phone off here. Since we're so close to getting the house clean some of the rooms clean and some of the bigger garbage out uh it's almost to the point now where we're about to get the big boys in you know the, the people the, the historic preservationists and uh that sort of thing so as far as the other project that i've can't tell you guys about it is going very smoothly i'm headed up there this weekend to tidy over a few things but i don't want to say too much and uh ruin the surprise uh, I also uh, uploaded a video to the YouTube channel. It's, uh, well, it's over Douglas Lake in Jefferson's, Jefferson County, Tennessee. And what's under it, so go give it a look-see. Also, be sure to go give my buddy Michael over at Sasquatch. That's S-O-S-S-Q-U-A-T-C-H. A look-see for all your barbecue needs. He makes them in-house. And he's based out of Middlesboro, Kentucky, Harlan County, Kentucky, somewhere up and through there. And if you like this podcast and want to buy me a cup of coffee, click on that listener support link to see how you can help. So, again, um, Anchor ended my ads, so there is no more ads in the videos. Uh, so, again, just that aforementioned what I just said there, just yeah, I consider that. No, I'm kidding. Not required. Just asking. So today's podcast is going to cover railroad history, and I might turn this into a series, maybe like a two or three part series. I don't, I don't know yet. So let's go. The earliest mentions of having a railroad here in Tennessee goes back to 1827, when a rail connection between the Hawassi and Coosa Rivers was proposed. A few short years later, in 1831, the Tennessee General Assembly would grant six charters for railroad construction, but most of these efforts failed when there wasn't much financial support. East Tennesseans had rail fever pretty early on also. Dr. J. G. M. Ramsey of Knoxville advocated a rail connection between South Carolina and Tennessee while the Rogersville Railroad Advocate, thought to be the first railroad newspaper in the States, wanted a connection to the Atlantic through Virginia. They would eventually get that, but later on. West Tennesseans also favored a connection to the Atlantic coast too. The Memphis Railroad Company, chartered in 1831 and renamed the Atlantic and Mississippi in 1833, hoped to connect to Memphis and Charleston. This, this basically failed too lack of financial support. So in 1836, the state legislature enacted a law that required the state to subscribe to a third of a railroad and turnpike company stock. 
This was later raised to a half in 1838. But this state stock system basically toppled during the Panic of 1837. And the outcome was, the, ironically, was the completion of the Middle Tennessee Turnpike rather than railroads. I mean, right? This law was very quickly repealed under Governor Polk in 1840. The first actual railroad construction goes to the Hawassi Railroad. Construction of this railroad began in 1837 near Athens, Tennessee, even though it did not qualify for state subscription. Despite the first railroad to actually build something, it very quickly failed in 1842, and LaGrange and Memphis Railroad was the first railroad to qualify for state aid, and in 1842 became the first railroad to operate a train in Tennessee although the county sheriff would later take over ownership due to unpaid judgments. Railroad interests would be revived in the 1840s when Tennesseans seen that Georgia's western and Atlantic was already headed towards the Tennessee River, and it would reach Chattanooga by the 1850s. In 1848, the General Assembly sponsored bonds of the Nashville and Chattanooga, but it would be the East Tennessee and Georgia that won a president's Precedent setting direct loan two years later, where the General Improvement Law of 1852 provided state loans to railroads at $8,000 per mile, and then by 1854 that was $10,000 per mile. Every Tennessee antebellum railroad, except the Nashville and Chattanooga, received grants under this system. So the Nashville and Chattanooga would be incorporated in 1845 and would reach Chattanooga by 1854 and was the only state-aided railroad to avoid financial loss to the state. By the early 1850s, there would be several associated branch lines completed, and they were the McMinnville and Manchester, Winchester and Alabama, and the coal mine branch to the Sewanee Mining Company in Tracy City. The people of Memphis would get their Atlantic connection uh, when the Memphis and Charleston was incorporated in 1846. It ran through Mississippi to reach Stevenson, Alabama by 1857, where it connected with the Nashville and Chattanooga and linked Memphis to the Atlantic via the in Nashville and Chattanooga and the Western and Atlantic. Railroad isolation for people in Upper East Tennessee ended uh, when the East Tennessee and Georgia Railroad, which was chartered in 1848, revived the Hawassi Railroad, running from Dalton, Georgia, via Athens and Loudoun to Knoxville by 1855. It was the second railroad completed in Tennessee, although a more direct uh, route between uh, Cleveland and Chattanooga was completed in 1858. The East Tennessee and Virginia, which was chartered in 1849, was completed from Knoxville to Bristol in 1858. And this formally ended the isolation of our mountain people way up here. Because, uh, you know, lots of hills in this part of the area, the foothills of the Appalachians. Building a railroad up here was no easy feat. And then you had another one. It was called the Cleveland uh Charleston and Cincinnati 
I believe, something along them lines. It was one. It was supposed to be built from somewhere, uh, coming out of somewhere out of paint rock, paint rock, and it was gonna uh, connect Tennessee to the uh, Midwestern states. It was supposed to go up somewhere to Illinois, and it was gonna be the longest one, the longest railroad completed at that time. It's it was incorporated on the just before the Civil War started and what's cool about this one is that it actually did get some line completed somewhere in Sevierville it got it graded and even some bridges uh, had been built from so of red but when the Civil War started you know they needed all the, the war effort and it basically needed all materials it could get and so when the Civil War came to Tennessee, they seen that, and well, the bridge burners, they doing what they do best, they blew it up. And the railroad company could never uh, recover from that. It was such a huge financial loss to them, they couldn't rebuild the railroad, so they had to declare bankruptcy and they abandoned it. And although this railroad would later on go be picked up by the Morristown and Cumberland Gap. This is something I've talked about a lot. Uh, it only really covered a small half of what that original railroad was supposed to be. It built it from downtown Morristown. It went up into Bean Station, Rutledge, and uh, it went on up into Kentucky after it connected to the main southern line. And it went the other way through Newport, still sort of running on the original uh, line, the original charter for the CC and C. So I think I'll end the podcast here, 10 minutes. Um, apologies, that it's not longer, but I think I'll turn this into a series and cover the next half next weekend. I thank you guys for listening. Tune in next time.